All right, the first character trait that we want to discuss during this time together, which I think is really foundational to us uh, learning to man up, is the topic of commitment. Uh, and I think a major, major component of building a stable, inspired course as a man is developing uh, this character trait of being a man of commitment. And my heart is, is that commitment would become a part of our DNA. And even as our DNA influences everything about us very strongly, that commitment would become a part of our inward DNA and it would strongly influence how you live as a man. Uh, one of the first Bible verses I put on your handout there, Proverbs verse 20, verse 6, declares, Most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Most men will proclaim his own goodness. In other words, most men will say they're loyal, they kind of sense that they're a pretty devoted guy, but yet God asks the searching question in his word here, where are the faithful men? And I think most men's perception of themselves, you know, typically we may think we're doing pretty good as it pertains to the area of commitment, yet as God looks among humanity, the word of God tells us in a very honest way that God says it's somewhat rare to find someone who actually is a faithful man. Many men, I think, say they will do things. Many men say they do do things. So you have those, well, I do this, I do that. And others say, well, I'm going to do this and I will do that. But what God says here is it's rare to find men who actually do what they say. Men who actually follow through stay on task, honor their commitment, stay the course. Men who are steady, committed, we might say dependable and reliable. I like the term, it's always stuck with me, men who exercise staying power. A lot of young men I find, again, I did this uh, kind of same course with a group of senior boys out of high school last year, and that was something that, of course, was just, I felt so essential, particularly for them as young men, just the ability to exercise staying power, to stay at something, to keep at it, to keep going, the mental fortitude, to stay focused. We might say the, the long obedience in the same direction. And again, keep in mind, commitment, contrary to kind of how we think about things, how they function in our world, commitment is really not using our words to make promises. A lot of times we hear the word commitment, we think about the promises we made or the pledge we made to something. Commitment's not about using our words to make promises of what we plan to do or what we intend to do. Commitment, much rather, is the ongoing actions to keep doing what is right. It's the continuance to stay on path with the thing maybe we said we would do or the thing that we initially began, regardless of challenges and obstacles or distractions or setbacks or temptations or difficulties that will happen to try and stop us because things are going to arise, are they not, that are going to tempt us to not keep going at times. We all know that there are going to be situations or circumstances or things that happen that threaten my ability to follow through, that want to hinder me from staying on course, and that's what we have to overcome. We have to learn how to develop the ability to overcome in those times. Sometimes getting started doing the right thing is a very 
hard task. And I don't think any of us would diminish sometimes just getting started. Doing the right thing is very hard. But I would venture to say that honestly, the harder part is not getting started doing the right thing. It's continuing to do the right thing. It's staying at it once you've begun it. It's continuing onward, remaining consistent, carrying on, completing, finishing, exercising that staying power to remain on track. Psalm 15, I put into your notes there as well, speaks of a stable man in the word of God. And it says this regarding a stable man, Psalm 15, he who swears to his own hurt but does not change. Other translations render that same verse, he who keeps his oath or promise even when it hurts and does not change his mind. Again, whether that's our commitment to marriage and getting marriage gets difficult. You know, it's amazing. I've been performing marriage ceremonies for over you know, 20 years now. And it's amazing how sometimes you sit down with people in you know, marital counseling or you're having a conversation with them and somehow it's disappeared from their memory that they actually said on that day, for better and for worse, in sickness and in health for richer and for poorer, till death do it. The nice thing is nowadays we have video, right? So now we just captured all video. And so look, can I just show you your wedding video? You really said that, bro. You, you said that right there. And I know it's hard, but you made an oath. And, and even when it's hard, you have to keep your oath even when it's difficult. And, and that's a very important thing. And that is a major part of commitment. You know, there's an athlete, Inky Johnson. You can go and look at his story, kind of an incredible story of overcoming a career-ending injury uh, and just a very disheartening, discouraging career-ending injury. But rather than giving up on life when he became paralyzed and had this career-ending injury, he said these words, and I think they are fantastic in regards to commitment. He said this, and I quote, he said, commitment is staying loyal to what you said you would do long after the mood and feelings that you promised in have now left you. Boy, is that good? Commitment is staying loyal to what you said you would do long after the mood or feelings you promised in have now left you. So again, commitment, sadly, is something that's becoming in short supply these days. And much sadder, I think it's even something that's severely lacking among men in our world and in our culture. Many men will offer excuses and reasons why they deserve an escape from responsibility or others just simply default to what I would sort of say boyhood living and kind of just want to be mommied and, and just never embrace responsibility and never step into the reality of embracing manhood and responsibility. And as a result of that, guys, many men are struggling Many men are really struggling in regards to many things. And as a result of that, then marriages are struggling and families are struggling and the church is lacking and society is struggling. And much of that ties back to the fact of the very issue of men who are wrestling with being committed individuals. And look, what we need is the stabilizing influence, I'm convinced, of solid men, solid men who can keep the ship afloat and can keep the ship 
from drifting off course. I want to talk a little more in depth about what commitment is by kind of giving just even two definitions of how the word commitment is defined. And I love both of these definitions, particularly this first one. Commitment is defined in this way, an obligation that restricts one's freedom from acting in another way. I love that. An obligation that restricts one's freedom from acting in another way. In other words, I make a commitment to my wife. That now, therefore, restricts my freedom from behaving in any other way with another woman. We make a commitment to something, and when we make a commitment and we want to be a committed person to anything in our life, to honor a commitment and to be committed, that then restricts your freedom from acting in other ways. You may have to give up other things or choose not to do other things or at times refrain from pursuing other things in order to maintain the commitment because it restricts you from acting in other ways because you are committed. Another definition defines it as an agreement to do something and then upholding that in the future regardless what it requires. An agreement to do something and then upholding it in the future regardless of what it requires. If we were to think of just some key words, synonyms, I might say, that kind of tie together with commitment, if you want to jot them down or kind of just make a mental note of them, to me, these are the type of words that describe commitment. Words like devotion or being devoted, being loyal, dependability. That is when someone's relying upon you or counting on you, you don't let them down. That's called dependability. You make sure to follow through. We might use the term faithful or reliable. Jesus himself said in Matthew 25, it's there in your notes. Jesus said, well done, thou good. And how did he describe a good servant? Thou good and faithful servant. That reliable servant, that consistent servant. Again, we might say faithfulness is the outward fruit of commitment. What's commitment look like? Well, the outward fruit of commitment inwardly is faithfulness in the way that we live our lives. I think the word consistency describes commitment. That is, you keep doing the same thing. It's kind of that stubborn persistence. Don't have to be real talented. Don't have to be real smart, but you're just stubbornly consistent. You just keep doing the same thing again and again and again and again. You know, I've told my daughters as I was raising them into adulthood, and they got to watch it firsthand. I've always told my son-in-laws and a lot of times other young men that I've talked to, look, I just all I know how to do is I get out of bed at a certain time every morning, and I make a cup of coffee, and I get my Bible, and I sit alone with the Lord for a little while. <laughs> That's sort of my claim to fame to anything I know how to just to consistently keep doing the same thing. It's one cup of coffee. It's some time alone with the Lord. And it's the only thing that's kept me anchored my whole life. A lot of other things have fluctuated. But it's the one thing that's kept me anchored. It's the one thing that's allowed God to work in my life in the ways that he's need to, to make me who he wants me to be. That consistency, that stubborn perseverance in a duty. I think another word for commitment is a word that, again, is lacking in many ways today in our culture, and that's just the word responsible. Someone who is honestly going to make sure that they take care of things. I tell you this, gentlemen, there is nothing in some ways more attractive to a lady than a responsible man, than a man who just takes care of things. 
a man who says he's going to take care of something, but then he actually does it, and he makes sure to take care of it, or he takes that load off by taking care of things and following through. And see, the person with a committed heart, when confronted with challenges, is going to search for solutions. And this is an important aspect to commitment, that when you have a committed heart, you're going to be confronted by challenges, but the committed person searches for solutions, and then they adapt, and then they navigate to press onward. The person who struggles or lacks commitment searches for excuses when hard things happen, or they look for reasons to kind of escape doing what they know was right. And there is indeed a difference, I would venture to say, between being involved and being committed. Being involved basically means that you participate when you feel like it. Being involved means you participate when it's convenient, or you participate when you're enjoying yourself, or you participate when it's something that benefits you. Being committed means you're willing to do whatever it takes to do the right thing. Whether it's convenient or extremely inconvenient, you push through the inconvenience because you're committed. Or even if it doesn't benefit you anymore, you still do the right thing because you're committed. And even when it's hard or difficult or there are challenges, you, you're willing to push through that because the truth of the matter is commitment does come with a cost that's inescapable. Those words just go together, commitment, cost. They're just attached. So we have to be willing to pay the price personally to keep going, that we start on a path, but then we stay on a path. And the way that we do that is through determination. It's through self Control and self-discipline. Numbers chapter 30, I have it in your notes there from the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2 says, look at it. When a man makes a vow, interesting, to the Lord, that's where all vows ultimately should be to. When a man makes a vow to the Lord, he takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge. He must not break his word, but must do everything he said. The idea is because you sense that you're going to give account to God, for your life, for your commitments, for the things that you start or the things that you say that you will do or your promises, you and I should then hold, the Bible says, a strong sense of duty inwardly, a sense of kind of where we keep ourselves accountable because we believe that we're accountable to God for something. And so therefore, we view things in a way where, you know what, it is the honorable thing to do to stay on track with this. I made a commitment to her. I made a commitment to this. I'm committed to this. So therefore, I'm a man of honor. And so therefore, I'm going to answer to God and I want to do the honorable thing and I'm going to hold myself accountable even if nobody else does. You know, it saddens me sometimes when I kind of hear that as almost kind of this, I'm going to use the term, I'm going to be very candid in these sessions, obviously just a weak excuse. Well, nobody keeps me accountable. So what? You have a free will. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. God's keeping you accountable. And we have to hold ourselves accountable. It's wonderful to have brothers in the Lord. And, and I'm all about camaraderie and comrades is a wonderful thing. I love brothers in Christ. I love friendships. I, you know, it's, a, it's a wonderful dynamic. But the reality is, is we can hold ourselves accountable. 
we can say, look, I'm honor bound to do this. And so therefore, I'm going to keep doing the right thing and stay at it. Again, the idea is just loyalty. And loyalty means a firm, constant allegiance to a thing. And commitment, we often find, becomes revealed, does it not, when things get tough. A lot of times we don't even really recognize if we're committed until things actually get a little bit difficult, when it's not easy to keep going, when you don't feel like getting out of bed that morning, or when it's hard in that season to keep maybe doing the same thing because life's just got more difficult and it'd be much easier to just can it or give up on something. That's when you got to make the decision to keep at it just because it's the right thing and you want to remain dedicated to that path. And any path, as I said earlier, it, I mean, just this is not just a, not a reality, guys. Any path is going to have difficulty on it. I mean, we are naive if we think any path is not going to have bumps in the road, twists and turns, you know, car wrecks and challenges and difficulties. I mean, whether it's a career path, whether it's something that we're doing in life, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, whether it's walking with the Lord, whether it's just trying to do the right thing in something, it's not going to be without its difficulties, its challenges. That's just life and reality. So that's why we have to make a choice. That's the key word, a choice to keep going even when there is difficulty and it gets tough. That's why Galatians 6 verse 9, it's in your notes there, says this. And I appreciate that Paul included himself as the apostle. He says, let us not grow weary in well-doing for at the proper season we shall reap if we what? Don't lose heart. In other words, Paul says, I admit for all of us, there are times when doing what's good, when doing what's right, you can grow weary in that. That's okay. It's okay to acknowledge this is hard or I'm tired. But he says the reality is, is you have to choose whether or not you're going to faint and you're going to just give up on something. And he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. If you stay at it in proper season, don't quit, don't give up. The fruit will catch up. And I think, sadly, too many men at times, I find default as it pertains to commitment. And I think one of the underlying reasons for that, and we'll talk more about this in other sessions, is, is I think a lot of men just don't have steel in their backbones. They can put on a football helmet and run over seven guys. But the same men who can do that or bench press 350 pounds, they don't have any steel in their character. And look, if I had to pick, because I can't bench 350 and I can't run over one guy, I'd pick steel in my character. i pick fortitude in the inward man because I would venture to say that's going to serve a lot more beneficial with the realities of everyday living. To have some steel in your backbone. And to continue in what God wants you to do, to continue on the right path, to be willing and able to press onward even when it's hard to. Proverbs 24.10, great word of wisdom. Look at it there. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In other words, God's word of wisdom to us is if we faint in the day of adversity, that is when it gets hard, and it does sometimes, but God says if you faint just because it gets hard, God says you've learned that your strength is small. 
In other words, you're weaker than you thought or you're behaving like a weak-willed person, God might say. The New American Standard translates 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and I like it's the only translation that uses the term and it fits very well for us. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 in the New American Standard says, act like men. I like that. Act like men. Be strong, the Bible says. You know, some qualities we might say that we need to exercise commitment to overcome failure in this area. A couple things I would mention, kind of how do we overcome failure in this area? One thing I say is you have to actually kind of have a plan and resolve to be committed. It's not going to just come naturally. You and I almost have to have an intentional resolve to make ongoing choices of loyalty because you know it's going to be a dogfight. Because you recognize there are going to be things that are going to make me want to quit. I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to get discouraged. So you kind of almost have to have this planned resolve if you're going to stay committed. I think Paul's words at the end of his life there, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, define that reality, how Paul kind of had that grit inwardly of being committed for the long haul. Paul says at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight and I finished the race. Paul said, I didn't just get into fights. I fought all the way through. I kept fighting to the end, Paul says. I didn't just start races. I didn't just participate in races. He says, I finished them. I carried them through. And again, there's kind of this indication that Paul, that was part of who he was as a man. As we mentioned earlier, I think being able to adapt as needed and adjust to make things work so that you still do what we're supposed to do at times is another thing that helps overcome so that we don't fail in the area of commitment. And another big issue that I really think is a lot of times overlooked regarding commitment is just being able, guys, to just remain focused mentally. And just to be someone who who has mental discipline to stay focused. And I think this is something that really connects itself to us transitioning from boyhood to manhood. Because the reality is, is, you know, all of us were little boys at one time. I've raised all daughters, but I've seen plenty of little boys. Many of you have raised sons. Is, is boys just have a tendency to, to just, right, just, wow, look at that. And they just get distracted easier. They can be doing something and then whoo, something cool goes by. And, right? and so that's kind of just the tendency of boyhood and boyish nature. So part of being committed means that we have to stay focused and kind of overcome that inward tendency of boyish tendency to kind of just get so easily distracted. Young boys may struggle with paying attention and remaining focused, but I would venture to say, and it's why we're here this morning, we're men. And we want to be men. We want to act like men, not like little boys anymore, right? Paul, when he was writing in regards to the transition from one season to the next season and, and embracing the new thing and leaving behind the old, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, look, I put it in your notes there, Paul says this, very interesting. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. That was natural. I was a child. I reasoned like a child, and I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So Paul said, there's a season of being a child, and during the time that I was a child, I I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child, because that's what I was. But he says, but I didn't stay a child forever. So when I became a man, I realized I now have to put away certain childish things. 
I have to leave behind childish boyhood tendencies in my life. As men, we can no longer afford to be unfocused. As men, you can't live as a successful man and not be alert and attentive and paying attention to what's going on and attending to your responsibilities. You can't just kind of be daydreaming like a boy. We have to wake up as men and pay attention to life and the realities of life and captaining a ship and making sure we stay on course and being fully engaged, really, like men should. And we also have to somewhat, I think, not just avoid the, uh, the tendency at times to not be focused, but being careful that distractions don't pull us away. And that's something I think that can be a real hindrance to commitment as well, to beware of enticing paths and pursuits that we can go running after. Look, if you're supposed to go down a path, that's fine. But you also have to be careful and be disciplined that you don't allow yourself to be enticed by this or running after that or this recreational thing or all of it, you know, just you know, today, you know, this or that or social media or playing with this vice or, you know, or, or I'm a man and I'm still playing video games like a boy. And that may step on some of your toes, and that's fine. Maybe you won't come back next time. You're a man. There's a lot to do as a man. There's a lot of important things to do as a man. And there are all kinds of distractions and things calling us to do this and calling us to do that. And sometimes we have to be willing to let go of other commitments and even other things sometimes to say, what are my primary commitments? I'm a man. What are the things I should be foremost giving my attention to, staying focused upon? I don't know. <laughs> I was exhausted just having a wife and three daughters to raise. Sometimes my wife would say to me, you have no hobbies. I would say, right. I'm just trying to be a good husband and a dad to three kids. I'm exhausted. And, and I would say to her from time to time, honey, my hobby is you and the kids. And I wanted her to just understand what I meant by that. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. You want to have fun. I'm not a very fun guy, and I'll be the first to acknowledge that. I'm somewhat vanilla and boring, and I, and I openly admit that. But what I wanted her and my children to understand was you have time you're committed to this and this and this and that and work and paying bills and taking out the trash and cutting the lawn and, and doing all these things of just life, and then you have so much discretionary time. And what I wanted my wife and my children to understand is my discretionary time, what little bit I have left over, I want to spend it foremost being focused on being the best husband I can be, the most involved father I can be, fully engaged in what really matters, because to me, that's, that was just my priority. And again, I don't say that. I'm not trying to be legalistic to say that you can't have fun or do this or that, everything in balance. But we do really have to be careful of being distracted. Distractions can pull us away. Sometimes people don't stay committed just because they can't keep from getting distracted and chasing after this, or they're over-engaged. Sometimes we're just involved in way too many things, and we can't really stay on task with what we should. And another thing I would say this is a struggle for us as men, and I want to encourage you, is we cannot let as men failure or weariness be something that paralyzes us from carrying onward and doing what's right. And look, gentlemen, we all in this room know it's going to happen from time to time. We're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to blow it, and it's going to weaken you and discourage you. But you can't let failure and what comes along with that stop you and make you give up. 
You know, Martin Luther King Jr. made this statement. I think it was very fitting. He said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. So practically, commitment is going to look like these things. Follow through, showing up, honoring your word, keeping to your decisions, staying on task without giving up, without giving distracted, and it involves that crucial word, resolve. Just resolve, which means firm determination to do what it takes. And sometimes that even looks in, as it plays itself out in something like flexibility, where sometimes resolve to be committed means you have to adapt and be flexible, and it can't be, well, look, I can't do that because I'm, I made a commitment to this. Sometimes what means you have to adjust, address the blow-up that happened and say, okay, it's going to take an extra hour tonight to follow through with my commitment, or I'm going to have to stay up longer or get up earlier to follow through with my commitment. And sometimes we even have to just adapt and be flexible as a way of having that resolve to carry onward. So a couple of places, I think, in God's word, and you can go back and reference them further, that are biblical examples of commitment illustrated. I put some of them in your notes there. First Kings chapter 6 describes how Solomon built the temple, and then it says numerous times in the chapter, and he finished it. He finished it. Now, any of you know, any of you guys who work in construction or if you've ever done a building process, right? that's a process that lasts years. And when you're doing a building process or a construction job, plenty of things are going to come up, right? Issues and problems and challenges. And, and there are going to be plenty of things that cause you know, complications and make you get frustrated or discouraged. And you have to stay on track if you're going to finish the building project. Well, Solomon, it says that he built the temple and for years he never abandoned the work. He stood at it until it was finished, a beautiful illustration of commitment. Ezra in Ezra chapter 6 answered his God-given calling to rebuild the temple. And as he went back to rebuild the temple, it tells us there again that the temple was finished or completed. In other words, he was doing a rebuilding process, and sometimes you may be in the midst of a rebuilding process. But when you're in the rebuilding process as well, don't get discouraged. Oh, it's so hard to rebuild after what I've done or the mistakes I've made or now the, the situation I've put myself in. That's okay. Stay at it. Stay at it. Stay at the process of rebuilding. In time, things will come back together. Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 6, following God's leading. Remember, he was called back to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem after Ezra had come in. And it says that Nehemiah goes back and the city is burnt and it's in rubble. It's an absolute mess when he takes over. And all the people are disheartened and discouraged. And it tells us that Nehemiah comes in and he rallies a team together and he begins to get the people to work together through all of the difficulty and hardship. And it says the wall was finished in 52 days. Again, there's that picture there of persevering. And you read the book of Nehemiah, I encourage you to do such. There were lots of issues. There was obstacles and there was resistance and there were things trying to discourage him and distract him. And Nehemiah, we'll talk about him more later regarding leadership as well, was a great example of a committed man who stood with what he was doing and pressed through 
to carry things out. And Daniel as well, great example of a young man, Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel, as just a young teenage man, in the midst of many hardships and difficult circumstances, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so Daniel purposed in his heart as a teenage young man to say, hey, I am not going to defile myself. I am going to do what is right. No, though no one else around me is doing such, though no one else around me is encouraging me to do such. And what happens? Daniel makes that commitment, but then he maintains that commitment. And his other teenage friends follow along because strong leadership breeds commitment. And they follow along with that. And Daniel becomes a wonderful man and is used powerfully because he was able to maintain commitment. Jesus himself in the New Testament, if you have it in your notes there, Luke 14, the teaching of Jesus teaches the reality of commitment. Luke 14, verse 48 or to 30, probably 28 to 30. I don't know if it's in your notes wrong. My apology for that. Luke 14, Jesus said, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost. See that again? Count the cost. What's it going to take to do this? What's it going to require me to stay on task with this, to finish this? Whether he has enough to finish, lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, but he wasn't able to finish. Again, didn't matter that he started something, Nobody was impressed and his reputation was diminished because he didn't carry through, because he didn't stay on course with what he began. Jesus' way of life, not just his teaching, his way of life personally as a man is the greatest picture of commitment. And again, we always want to remember that Jesus is the perfect representation of what manhood really looks like. You want the greatest study on manhood, don't come here for the 12 sessions, just study the life of Jesus. Because Jesus was the epitome of authentic manhood. Again, we worship Jesus as God. We follow Jesus as man. He was the God man. So we worship him as God. We follow him as man. And Jesus' way of life demonstrated tremendous commitment. Look at Luke 9, verse 51, regarding Jesus' life. It says, it came to pass when the time had come for him, that's Jesus, to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus knew where his mission was, and it says that with resolve, he steadfastly set his face towards that thing that he was to do. He determined to be resolved to stay committed, and it was certainly very difficult what he had to navigate through. John 17, Jesus declared, I've glorified you, Father, on the earth, and I finished the work which you've given me to do. We know one of the seven statements of Jesus from the cross. He declared those three words, it is finished. And aren't we all glad that he didn't say it's almost finished? My sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven because Jesus was committed. Because as a man, he came in a body of flesh and navigated through difficulty and finished bowing his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus' life represented carrying through, completing what he began, and it was difficult, but yet Jesus was committed all the way through his life, culminating in his death. And look, we have to realize, gentlemen, our human nature is always going to be drawn, mine is anyway, it's always going to be drawn to being selfish. 
My human sinful nature is always going to be drawn to being lazy and not caring about others and just caring about myself. And as a result of that, it's going to be a struggle to tempt me to not be committed because my human spirit is always going to lead me in that direction. So the question I have to constantly ask myself and you have to ask yourself is who is ruling me inwardly? My human spirit or the spirit of the Lord? There's the choice again. Am I going to let my human spirit, my fleshly nature rule me, or am I going to let the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Lord, rule me? Paul's way of life as well. Great man of God showed commitment. Acts chapter 20, we see that, verse 22 to 24. Paul says there, and now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. You hear Paul's words there? Paul says, I'm heading in the direction I know I'm supposed to go. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And he says, the only message, I just keep getting this vague indication again and again from the Holy Spirit, Paul, go that way, okay? By the way, Paul, it's gonna be really hard. Paul, chains, tribulations, problems await you. And Paul made this statement, but none of these things move me. They won't move me off course. I will push through them. I will persevere among them, and I will carry onward, he says, till I finish the thing that I know that I'm supposed to do and that right thing. What a beautiful picture of resolve and commitment. Look, ask yourself this morning, What does it take, gentlemen, to move you? What does it take to move you? To move you off course in regards to being committed from time to time. Ask the Lord for that grace to persevere. Paul displayed commitment. Paul's a human being just like you and I are. We have the same things available to us and much more, quite honestly, than Paul did to say, look, I'm not going to let those things move me. They're they're trying to move me, but I am not going to be moved. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to resolve to remain committed. Paul's teaching as well describes commitment in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, I love the statement where, where Paul says, it's required in stewards that one be found what? Say it in your notes. What is it? Faithful, right? We're wrapping up here. Let's make sure you're still alert. But notice that first word. It's required. It doesn't say it's suggested that stewards would be faithful. It's preferred that employees would be faithful, reliable, dependable, consistent. He says any stewardship that we have received in all the different areas, he says it's required. It's essential. It's required that we be found faithful. So why is commitment important? If we're going to seek to be committed, why is it so important? Well, it's essential to maturing and progressing as an adult for any man to go from boyhood to masculinity because men are intended, as we'll talk about in future sessions, to be what? Leaders. To be stable, strong leaders in our families, in the church, in the community. And so, therefore, we have to be committed because commitment produces stability. It will make you a steady person so that you're not always wavering. 
and so that people can rely upon the stability that you bring. And people like stability. They like security. They like a sense, hey, this is reliable. And that steady nature that you can bring as a man to your marriage, to your family, to your job, to your church, that's a valuable asset. That's stability because of that committed nature. Because the opposite of commitment, as we said, is laziness and selfishness and irresponsibility. And that's the natural tendency. And look, we all know it's a mark of immaturity to kind of just like be somebody who flies by the seat of your pants, who just goes with the wind and kind of just does whatever you feel. That, that's kind of a mark of immaturity. And, and we want to grow past that. We want to progress out of that. We don't want to be trapped and again, I, I hate to say it, but we don't want to be trapped in what I see so much in our culture today, in society, of this perpetual adolescence in men. It's the Peter Pan syndrome. You guys all remember Peter Pan, right? We're all old enough to remember Peter Pan. What was Peter Pan? He wanted to be a boy forever. He wanted to be mommied his whole life. He wanted to just live with mommy and let mommy take care of him and let mommy do things for him and play all day. And, and, and he wanted to be a little boy his whole life. And the problem was is that's not normal. That's not healthy. There's a time where we're supposed to man up and to become a man and to embrace manhood and man responsibilities. And I can tell you something. When someone gets caught, a, a man in that Peter Pan kind of syndrome, look, it's not good. It's certainly not healthy on many levels. And I'll tell you this, free word of advice if you're single, it's not attractive to ladies. Women don't want a boy. They want a man. Would you agree with that? And, and that's what God is calling us to that we would embrace that reality when we want to man up and be the man God wants us to be. Look, there are benefits to commitment. It's foundational to stability and progress in the journey. Abraham Lincoln said this, commitment is what transforms our promise into a reality. Commitment is what transforms a promise into a reality. I put in your notes there toward the end, Proverbs 28, verse 20, it says this, a faithful man will abound with blessings. Why is it so important to be committed? What's the big deal? I mean, a whole session on this. What's so, well, God says, look, you'll be blessed. A faithful man, the Bible says, will be bound with blessings. Why? Because when we get rooted in life, right, when you get rooted in life and you stay put, eventually you will blossom and bear fruit in time. The contrast of that is the opposite. If you take a plant, and it could be a totally perfect, healthy plant that should thrive, but if today you plant it at 123 Mulberry Street, and you leave it there for a week or two or a month or three, and then you uproot it, and then you go plant it at 456 Jones Street, and you leave it there for a week or two or a month, and then you pull it up, and you go plant it again over here at 789, am I still counting correct, you know, Johnson Street. The plant may survive, but I'll tell you what it's never going to do. It'll never thrive and flourish, right? Because it's uprooted, 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 uprooted. And look, whether it's vocationally uprooted, 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 whatever it is, sometimes you got to just sink in your roots 
and stay at something and remain committed. Why? Because the reality is, he says, that faithful man, in time you will abound with blessings. There's no overnight blessings. There's no overnight fruitfulness. It is the result. When you see that in a person's life, in a family, that is the result of long-term sticking it out and just staying out. I look at some of the men that I respect so much that are solid men, that are godly men who've got great fruit in their life in many different ways, personally as a man of God or their marriage or their children. And I can always trace it back to one thing. They just were stubborn, consistent, faithful men who got rooted and then they just bore fruit over time. And it is so important that we recognize that reality. A life absent from commitment is going to be a life, I'm telling you, that will never finish. It'll be a pattern of abandoning everything and irresponsibility, and it will never, ever overcome the challenges, and it will never begin to flourish. So there's great, great benefit to really being committed. And I'll tell you this too. Our commitment is very important to other people because it's a desirable attribute. I don't care who it is, Everybody would much more prefer interacting relationally with committed people, correct? In relationships, all human relationships, commitment is a valuable and attractive attribute. So whether it's our marriage or with our children or with our friendships or in your job or whether it's at church, commitment is a desirable attribute. It's something people want to interact with committed people. The last verse I put in your notes there, look at it, Proverbs 25, verse 19, very illustrative. He says, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking with a lame foot. Putting confidence in an unreliable person. Hey, I'm trusting you. You going to take care of that? I'm relying upon you. You're going to handle that? You said you're going to be committed to this relationship. You're going to stay engaged in that, right? He says, confidence in an unreliable person, it becomes like chewing with a broken tooth. That sounds painful. And walking with a lame foot, the idea is you're not going to get very far. It's going to be hindered. It's going to be held back again. So when we think about this idea of commitment, gentlemen, where does that need to be exercised? First of all, our relationship with God, right? If you have a relationship with the Lord this morning, and I hope most of you do, there is no better place to exercise commitment than being committed to the Lord. Walking with the Lord, being committed to the word of God, committed to prayer, being committed to root yourself in a church and stay and flourish and prosper spiritually. If you've never made a commitment to the Lord, that is the very first commitment that you need to make, to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and all other commitments stretch from there relationships to people, our family and friends and our careers and our jobs. And I just want to encourage you this morning to resolve to be men of commitment and that by the grace of God and by the spirit of God, may God empower us to be men of commitment. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray, guys. Father, thank you for these men, for their willingness to be here, to spend this time availing their hearts and minds together as a group of brothers to hear the things that, Lord, you may want to help us with 
to be the men that you intend us to be. Lord, we thank you for this time to learn together. We pray that you would give us the grace by the power of your spirit to resolve to walk these things out in our lives. And we ask these things together in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Hey, just a reminder.